Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, you guys. I really appreciate that. I think, um, yeah, the anointing was just so much in that uh, just now. And um, I think one of the things we, we really struggle with as people is that, that concept of the holiness of God, eh? We kind of, we don't get that. We know that God's close. He's our friend. He loves us. But also that God is holy. Lord's Prayer, Kia Tapu Toina. May your name be Tapu. And uh, the Holy Spirit, Te Wairua Tapu. And even, you know, the, um, the sacred assembly, Te Hunga Tapu. I don't get it when people kind of bang up against the church in the way they speak. Do you know that that is uh, Te Hunga Tapu? That is the beloved community of faith that Christ died for. Do you know what you're doing when you're messing with that, with your tongue? And so, um, which is kind of a lead into to coming into this passage, which is just a really, really uh, intense, difficult passage. And as we kind of start, we kind of started last week in this series about uh, in the desert, in the desert. So last week we did uh, John 13, Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. And, and it was kind of a little toe into what we're doing now because Jesus was creating this society, this new organization, this people it was going to be radically different from anything anyone had ever known. And I said last week, as Jesus washed his disciples' feet, that was unknown. There's no other references in Jewish or Greco-Roman literature where anyone did that to his disciples. And so this was different. And so we're going to look at Exodus 32 soon and also Luke 14. But first, we're going to show you a couple of pictures of priests. So first one, this is uh, from, uh, from what? MASH, Father Mulcahy. So sitcom of the Korean War, Father Mulcahy. He's uh, a quirky, irrelevant priest, bewildered by the worldliness. Pretty unremarkable, really. And uh, so... A fictional priest, and this is a real priest. I will show a, a short clip. His father, Greg Boyle, from California. All right, let's let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. We pray that you would speak to us uh, through your word today. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. So we're gonna we're gonna be thinking about priests today. Priests, about being a kingdom of priests. In fact, we've got seven verses here. And they all talk about, not just about a priest, but being a kingdom of priests. So Isaiah, uh, we'll go back to, um, there's a list. There's one in Isaiah 61 verse 6. There's one in Exodus 19, 6. Um, 1 Peter 2 verse 5, 1 Peter 2 verse 9, Revelation 1, Revelation 5, Revelation 20. A kingdom 
of priests. So as we read about some priestly workers, I want us not to think of Father Mulcahy. I want us to think of Father Greg Boyle, a real priest. And we're going to look at some other priests, Exodus 32, 25, 29. These guys became sort of like priestly workers in the, in the desert wanderings. And this is about ferocious devotion. Ferocious devotion. Moses saw that the people were running wild and that Aaron had let them get out of control, so become a laughing stock to the enemy. So he stood at the entrance to the camp and said, Whoever, whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites, that was his tribe, rallied to him. Mo, uh, then he said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Each man strap on a sword, each man strap a sword to his side, go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other, each killing his brother and friend and neighbor. The Levites did as Moses commanded, and that day about 3,000 of the people died. Then Moses said, you have been set apart to the Lord today, for you are against your own sons and brothers, and he has blessed you this day. Ferocious devotion. Luke chapter 14, 25 to 27. Luke chapter 14, 25 to 27. Large crowds. Large crowds. A lot of them. Whole heap of them. Large, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even their own lives, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Did you hear that word? Hate. Hate. H-A-T-E. Hate. So let's talk about the elephant in the room, shall we? <laughs> Godly ordained carnage. Godly ordained carnage. 3,000 people. People who became basically priests, godly workers, who strapped on their swords and went through the camp and they were killing their own brothers, their own friends, and their own neighbors. And that's in the Bible. How do we deal with that? Uh, how, how do we process that? So here's four kind of tips, might be a little bit helpful. Number one, God's judgment is real. God's judgment is real. God does judge. God has judged, he will judge. It's real. Hell is real. 
Hell is real, and it's not nice. Secondly, tough love. God had the big picture in mind, the whole community and those that would follow the Christian faith that would go out of the desert people. You know, when I was a school teacher and I had to discipline sometimes and I was going at it for one, you know, one kid or another, and as I was doing it, I realized, this is not helping you, buddy, but it's helping the guy next door to you. (laughs) And, you know, God has a big picture in mind here. The whole community of faith. A kingdom. He was thinking about a kingdom. He was thinking about his whole world. God's judgment is real. Tough love. Thirdly, progressive disclosure. God's desire and design is not revealed all at once. Sometimes, you know, it just, he reveals it a little bit at a time. Bit by bit. And fourthly, Descriptive and prescriptive scripture. So some of scripture is descriptive. It talks about, it describes what has happened. It's not saying we should do exactly as was done there. But some is prescriptive. It's, it's, you know, it's like Stu's medicine. Here you are, take this, do that. Descriptive and prescriptive scripture. So we don't want to mix those up. What we can't do, however, is take out bits of Scripture or ignore it. We can't do that. We can't take bits out of the Bible that we don't like. It's all in there. It's all God's Word. You know, sometimes my kids try and do that at dinner. They get some dinner in their mouth, and then they'll go, stick it on the side. You can't do that. You've got to have the... The nacho chips and the cheese and the beans, you know. You know, even the gristle, that's good for you. But so, uh, all scripture is God, is inspired by God. And um, <clears throat> throughout the history of church, people have tried to take out bits of scripture they don't like, and that does not end well. Uh, Marcion even in the second century, was trying to do that, a a leader in the church. And he took out the bits of scripture that he found too gory or or found that God was a God, was too wrathful. And so he, Marcion, ended up with only 27 books of the Bible. In our day and age, we've had um, other uh, ones that take out bits of scripture that are in life. Uh, One of them, most popular at the moment is Rob Bell, the former pastor um, and now motivational speaker, just concentrating on the nice stuff. God is love. But Jesus also said, hate your family. So was Jesus encouraging hatred and violence? No. Jesus never encouraged or practiced violence. Islam's founder taught and practiced violence. Christianity's founder taught and practiced nonviolence. When Muslims are violent, they, they follow the example and teaching of their founder. When Christians are violent, they do it in violation of the example and teaching of its founder. So what about this hate here? What did Jesus mean? 
What he meant was that he required ferocious devotion of his followers, a devotion that took priority over every other relationship, even family, even family. Luke 12, 49 to 53, Jesus said, don't think I've come to bring peace. No, no, I haven't. Division. No division. I haven't come to bring peace. No division, Jesus says. Mark 3. Mark chapter 3, just at the beginning of his ministry, someone comes and says, Jesus, your family's outside. Your family's outside, Jesus replies, who is my family? Kawai tokufaya, who's my mum? Kawai hoki okutena, who are my younger brothers? And Jesus goes on, whoever does the will of God is my family. That's my family. You see, what happens in, this is what happens sometimes. Some of you would have known this, experienced this, seen this. What happens sometimes is when the Holy Spirit does things in a family, other spirits, wicked spirits, evil spirits, rise up. And so there's this this spiritual war happens in families. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you do. And that's why, that's why sometimes it's boom. All hell breaks loose because all hell has broken loose because hell does not like what the Holy Spirit is doing in a person. John 19, and just to balance it, John 19, one of the last things Jesus said on the cross. Jesus looked down and he saw his mum Mary, and he says to the disciple that he loved, Mary, this is your son, buddy, this is your mum. And from then on, he looked after her. So, we're about to start a study of numbers. The Hebrew name for the book is Bermidbar, which means in the desert. The English name is Numbers. We often think of the desert as boring and barren and hot and harsh, and it is. We lived in Sub-Sahel for a while. But in the rear view mirror, as the Hebrew people looked of their desert wanderings, it was, they often saw it as a, a time of huge blessing to them, a time where God made them into the people that he wanted them to be. A desert is, uh, for them was a place of refining and making, a time of mistakes but also forgiveness, uh, but a time of being made into the people of God. And, and for God, getting the people out of Egypt was relatively easy, but getting Egypt out of the people, that was a lot harder. Now, I appreciate both names for the book of Numbers, Numbers and In the Desert. Numbers sounds a bit boring, so we're going to go, go with the, the Hebrew one in the desert. But Numbers is accurate because there's a whole heap of people. There's a, there's a big, big hunk of them. And, uh, and it talks about how God deals with a big hunk of people, a crowd. You know, crowds, 
Crowds are funny things, eh? Crowds are funny things. I was, um, I was out in the water, I think it was Wednesday morning, and I was the only one. And uh, it was funny because the surf actually wasn't that bad. And I think the reason that there wasn't a crowd is because there wasn't a crowd. And at other times, out in the water, in the surf, you know, uh, there's a whole heap of people, but it's not that good. But there's a whole heap of people because there's a whole heap of people. And Jesus did not get excited by crowds. Have you ever noticed that? Jesus did not get excited by a crowd. And when often he saw a big crowd, what Jesus would do is he would raise the bar. He would raise the bar. Luke 14, there were large crowds traveling with Jesus. And so Jesus says, turns to the crowd and says, you must hate your family, and get ready for death. You know, that's what uh, carry across means. It doesn't mean, um, you know, being annoyed, <laughs> something annoying. I saw this thing, a guy, is, he had to do stock taking his job every year, and he says, um, oh, that's the cross I have to bear. Well, actually, that's not what carry across means. Though that place, that time, someone was carrying their cross, it meant they were dying. They were on their way to death. It was a dead man walking. Jesus did not water it down for the crowd, did not try to make it more palatable. When Jesus saw a crowd, often he would lift the bar or articulate how high the bar was. And so he says, even your most cherished Human relationships, including family, must come second in your devotion to me. And any switching of that order is idol worship, and you cannot be my disciple. You must be ferocious in your devotion to me. Exodus 32, 25 to 29, Moses comes down from the mountain God had given him the Ten Commandments. Aaron, his two I see, had let the people go wild. And uh, they'd been brought out of Egypt, but they ran the risk of self-destructing really quickly as the people of God. And so who is for the Lord? Who is for the Lord? Moses asks. And his tribe, the Levites, they come to him. They strap on their swords And at the command of Moses, which was the command of the Lord, this verse 27, they go throughout the camp killing whoever they came across. Brother, friend, neighbor, brother, friend, neighbor, teratena, Ah, tera tona hoa, ah, tera tona hoa, e noho ana, noho tata ana. Brother, friend, neighbor. And from that point, the Levites become a tribe of priests, or priestly workers, not because they were nice people, because they had a ferocious devotion to the, to the Lord and word of the Lord. And which ultimately, ultimately, 
led to the salvation and blessing of an entire nation, and from that, the nations of the world. Let me suggest what ferocious devotion means. It means to us three things. Number one, pure hearts. Pure hearts. No idols. No idols. Pure hearts. No idols are to be made of anything, of friendship, of possessions, of pastimes, of gold, of depravity, of career, not even family. No idols. Pure hearts. Secondly, stout hearts. Stout hearts. No fear. Courage. Boldness. Push through what you think people will think and what you think they will say and how you think they will react. Courage. Boldness. Be devoted to Jesus. Courage to be thought of badly. Courage to be talked about badly. Even those close to you. Because of your devotion to Jesus. And thirdly, joined hearts. Joined hearts. United hearts. We are called not to be priestly individuals, but to be a kingdom of priests. To have joined hearts. You know, you haven't really come here today to listen to a priest. You've come here because God's desire is for all of us to be made into a kingdom of priests. And so we say no to idols, no to fear, no to rock star. We say yes to pure hearts, to stout hearts, and to joined hearts. Let's stand up, please. Can we have our worship team back? Have their last song again. And as they come, let's pray. Some of us need to repent now. Let's put our hands out. And uh, Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. If we need to repent of anything, of any idol worship, even stuff that looks good on the outside, but it's taken first place in our hearts, uh, let us repent of that now. And we pray for courage. Lord, I pray for your kingdom of priests. I pray for your community of faith. I pray for the Tehunga uh, Tapu here today. Um, your, your blessed ones, your chosen ones. I pray for courage for them. Pray courage into their hearts today. And I pray uniting for us, Lord, that you are making us not to be rock stars, but to be a kingdom of priests. Do that amongst us, we pray. Amen. Um, Liz's crew are going to come up and pray for, for that today. And anyone else, people will be here, would love to pray with you about anything. And let's, um, as we worship, let's uh, say again that the Lord is holy and we are his people and we will have no idols. We will worship you, Jesus, only you.